0: We hope you'll make it. We're continuing a a study um, on what does it look like to journey well. Um, As we go through this life and the ups and downs of life, what does it look like for us to journey in such a way um, that we not only have endurance, especially when the upheavals come, but that we're able to endure with joy. How do we do that? This series is all about that, how we do that. We talked last week about questions we encounter during the journey and um, how do we handle them and uh, we looked at Psalm 13 and I'd like to look at that especially just the last two verses but I'd like to read the Psalm again Psalm 13 the psalmist writes how long O Lord will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me How long must I wrestle with my thoughts, and my every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord. He has been good to me. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize that in a firm that we are your creation. Wonderfully designed, developed, gifted by you. And Lord, in this fallen world, as we journey, we we face times, God, it's just not easy. We face seasons of our life as well that are filled with great satisfaction and joy, only to be blindsided, it seems, in the next season. Lord, I believe everybody in here wants to journey well, and we want to live a life that's pleasing to you, a life that's marked by a deep trust and confidence in you. We pray for help to do that. We pray for the hope and endurance the Scriptures give us. And so Lord, as we consider them this morning, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would teach us, that you'd guide us, that you'd open our eyes and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Life is indeed a journey. And I wonder... As you look back over the moments and years of your life, what kind of journey has it been? What kind of journey is it today as you sit here? Perhaps yours has been marked by disappointment, grief, brokenness. All of ours probably includes some of those at times. Maybe as you sit here, you really yearn for something different, something better. But you're at a place where you know there's something more, but you seem to Difficulty getting traction and moving forward. Maybe it's financial pressures, broken relationships, fear, sickness, guilt. Or, again, maybe your journey's been pretty free from some of the difficulties and challenges, and you rejoice in that. But as you look forward to this next season, the path isn't so clear, You're not really sure what God wants you to do, what what he wants you to steward, how he wants you to steward the remaining days. Maybe your life's like my driveway, one pothole after another. You're just kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, one detour, one upheaval after another. And I would think that there's times in our journey we suspect that there's something more, and we suspect that we're missing something. And our journey is just filled with so many different things in our life. And so this series really is focusing on some of the challenges in our journeys and how to overcome them, but the reality is even if we're, we're, we're having a nice a season right now, we really need to be equipped, we really need to be prepared um, because we don't know what awaits us. And we know that if we're going to finish well, we need to journey well today. And so I hope that's what we all desire as we live this life, to live it well, to finish it, to finish what God's called us to do, and to be faithful. It is my strong desire to journey well with Jesus, to go where he wants me to go and to do it in such a way that uh, I do it joyfully and, and confidently like we just sang. And, uh, but we know, you know in your journey, that's, that's a challenge sometimes. My uh, sisters, I have some funny sisters, and, and, uh, and when life is difficult in a certain time not too long ago, it was exceedingly difficult. I got a card from my sister, and, and she says, you know, you sure have been getting the hairballs of life lately, but I know you can hack it. <laughs> Hang in there. And, uh, and, and you can hack it. We can hack it. We can hang in there because of what Psalm 13 teaches us. Where does strength from the journey come from? I mean, how how can we live and journey through this life in such a way that we don't falter, we don't fail? We don't collapse. We don't compromise our walk. We don't give up. Psalm 13 is a psalm for you if you wonder. After the first four verses, where the psalmist honestly wrestles with God, and we talked about the significance of being honest with God, the psalmist is, he's really perplexed and he's asking some questions of God, How long are you going to allow us to go on? What are you doing? And he pleads with them four times, emphasizes the intensity. How long, God? As you read those first four verses, you're kind of entering in and saying, God, I've asked some of those questions, God. Maybe even am right now. But something changes with one word between verse 4 and 5. It's the word but. I mean, there's a dramatic shift as we read this psalm. And to me, it's so significant because it tells me, it instructs me, where strength comes from. How we can, going through such a difficult season where everything seems to be falling apart, but there's, but there's something that can bring strength. And Psalm 13 tells us. You see it right there in verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. Now, we talk a lot about the love of God. And to be honest, a lot of our conversations are really flowery and, and you know, God loves me and, and, and we use that word and we're grateful for it. But there's this sense that it's just kind of shallow. As a matter of fact, some people would say, hey, if, if you're preaching too much on the love of God, you got to go deeper. This psalmist couldn't be going any deeper. I mean, his life's falling apart, he's a mess. But the turning point is he says, I trust in something that's far greater than all the questions, that's far greater than all the fears. It's not a formula that's turning this thing around. It's not self-help, or it's not positive thinking. What's turning this psalmist around is God's unfailing love. He remembers it. He remembers it in the midst of all his questions. Now, we see the words unfailing love, and there are multiple words in English, but there's one word in the Hebrew, it's chesed, and it refers always in the context of God's initiating and sustaining love. It emphasizes God's love and mercy over generations in spite of how wayward the objects of his love may be. You see, God's faithful in loving us even when we're not lovable. Listen to some of the references in Scripture that refer to this chesed, this unfailing love of God. Psalm 25, 6 through 7. The psalmist says, Remember, Lord, your great love and mercy, there's the chest said. for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Psalm seventeen seven. show me the wonders of your great love, you who save by your right hand, those who take refuge in you from their foes. Psalm 26, 3, for I've always been mindful of your unfailing love. And have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. It's interesting, that word Chesed also carries this idea of faithfulness. In other words, God's unfailing love is a faithful love. He's faithful to love us. His love never fails, the song says. It never gives up. It's the basis of our hope. David, after his sin with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, he puts all his hope on God's unfailing love when he says, Have mercy on me, O God, because... Of your unfailing love, Psalm sixty-three, three. Because your love, your chesed is better than life. My lips will glorify you. Lamentations three, twenty-two through twenty-three. In a bad book and a bad chapter comes this great verse: Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Matter of fact, so in abundance, so in excess is God's love it says they're new every morning it's inexhaustible his love and we're not surprised we then read great is your faithfulness because God's faithful to love us his love is a great love it's an unfailing love God is unchanging unchanging in his being his perfections his promises he's unfailing in his love He always does what he says. He always fulfills what he promises. He can be relied upon and trusted. He will never prove unfaithful to those who trust what he has said. So we're not surprised now when the psalmist says, but I trust in your unfailing love. Matter of fact, God seems to continually need to remind his people throughout Scripture of his unfailing love and of his faithfulness. God as our creator designed our brains with the ability to remember things. These electric impulses that he's designed which rearrange themselves to bring things into sharp focus and bring to our remembrance certain things. Matter of fact, the Old Testament especially is filled with signs. God says build a monument here or put some stones here. We have the sign of a rainbow which reminds us of God's faithfulness. The Passover, blood over the doorposts, reminds us of the unfailing love of God and His faithfulness to forgive. Especially the pointing to Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, who would pour out His blood for you and I because He loves us. There's the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Manna, and the Ark of the Covenant. All these different signs from the Old Testament that were necessary to remind God's people of his faithfulness, of his unfailing love. And so where does strength from the journey come in? Where does it come from? God's unfailing love, his faithfulness in loving us. But that's not all the psalmist says. There's more. As we continue to look at this, he says, but I remember, and I trust in your unfailing love. He then goes on to say, my heart, it rejoices in your salvation, and so as the psalmist thinks through in the midst of all this questioning and, and, and despair, he's going through. But he says, "But but I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart it actually rejoices in your salvation, in your grace. The grace of God will strengthen you; it always does. It causes you and I to rejoice." That although we're extremely unlovable at times, although we're incredibly sinful and that our sin has separated us from God, we rejoice in the grace of God. Our hearts are strengthened when we remember our salvation. Our hearts are renewed when we stand on the truth that we're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And our resolve is anchored in Christ alone. We find strength in the grace of God. I am convinced over working with people in ministry for several years, I not want to date myself, but a couple, there's one thing that I've observed, and that is for saints who finish well and those who don't. There's one, I guess, ingredient, or one thing I've observed that's present in those who finish well that doesn't seem present in those who don't finish well. And that is a deep appreciation, reliance upon, and focus upon the grace of God. I think that's why Hebrews 12, 15 says, see that no one misses the grace of God. Because it goes on to say, if you do, a bitter root will grow up. You see, those who don't finish well miss the grace of God. They forget it, and what comes in its place is bitterness, a critical spirit. They don't finish well because they've forgotten the grace of God. But those who in humility, walk in humility day in and day out, remember the grace of God that's poured out upon their life, who not only remember that, but extend it to others. They seem to finish well. If you want to finish well, if you want to journey well, don't miss the grace of God. Don't set it aside. Because if you do, you'll become bitter, you'll become critical, you'll live a life, really of of even greater turmoil, and you'll go to a place you don't want to go. And I fear on the deathbed of too many saints is a critical spirit because they forgot something. They forgot the grace of God. Don't don't miss the grace of God. Don't forget it, because it's what strengthens you and I in the journey. You see, even when all hope is gone, and you and I have been wounded in the battle, he's all we ever need. And it's his grace that will carry you. It's his grace that will sustain you. Don't ever forget it. The psalmist teaches us, remember. Remember God's grace. Asaph did in Psalm 77. Psalm 13, David wrote, but we have a different writer in Psalm 77, and look what he did. By the way, I would encourage you maybe this week to read Psalm 77 a couple times in your quiet times. We're only going to read a few verses out of it. But I want you to pick up on the psalmist, very similar to what happens in Psalm 13. Verse 7, will the Lord reject forever? Now he's wrestling. Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Notice what Asaph does. Ah, He remembers. He remembers the work of God in his life. It's incredibly significant. Maybe this example will help. Years ago, um, both my dad and I had a cousin I worked for. Um, Neither one of them liked heights. But they figured, I must. And so they would take these antenna jobs. Not on a house. On antenna towers. You know, the triangle ones that kind of blow in the wind? And they thought, surely Matt would like this. And so, Matt, you climb up, and so high are these things that we're going to send a radio up with you to communicate. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. And so, and Matt, here's a belt. Make sure you clip yourself on, because if you fall, well, make sure you use the belt, Matt. And so I'd climb up and clip this belt and, and then finally get way up there and, and we're on the radio and they're like, hey, you know, check the red wire and, and how does that look and is that one connected and all those different things. And, and as you're up there, obviously I'm frightened for, at first and, but then you start to focus and you kind of forget this belt that's around your waist. You kind of forget that it's there until your foot slips. Then you feel it tighten. Then you remember that that belt is holding you. And when the winds pick up and when that tower starts to creak a little bit or your foot slips, you're reminded of that belt that's holding you secure. God's unfailing love is that belt. And when the storms come and when your foot slips, it's not that you hold, it's that he holds you his unfailing love. And there's times in your life it might be slack and you forget it's there. Take it for granted. But as you journey and the seasons get difficult, it's his unfailing love that holds you. That's what the psalmist remembers. God's unfailing love. And hope is born of this conviction. I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know how tired you are. I don't know how abandoned you may feel or how disoriented life seems. I don't know how cold the winds of doubt are or the criticisms that may be blowing your way. But I want to, you to quiet yourself and remember. Remember your history with God. Remember when you first called out to Him in repentance. In desperation. And you said, God save me. And you knew in that moment, he did. Remember that. Don't forget that moment. Think back on the times he expressed his love for you. You know those moments where it felt like nobody did. Or you wound up in the same place again. That you promised you would never go. But then God whispered or shouted and reminded you that he loves you and that he's got something better for you. Remember those times? Remember those times that you bowed and said, God, I don't know what to do. I need direction. I need clarity. And like a light from heaven, God said, here's the way. Walk in it. Remember those times? Remember those times you looked at the bank book and went, $1.42, how's that going to pay the groceries? And somehow, some way, that $1.42 became groceries for your whole family. Remember? Don't forget those times. Remember his unfailing love. Remember the gifts he's given you. Remember mornings you wake up and look around the breakfast table and you see wonderful gifts called children. Or your spouse. Remember those gifts? Remember the time you never thought a job would come? Rejection after rejection after rejection. And God opened the door. And he provided. Remember those times? Oh, remember the way he's forgiven you? The times that you wrestle with guilt and shame, and great regret. And God reminded you through a word, a message, through scriptures, that in Christ you're forgiven. Don't ever forget that. Remember those times? Hebrews twelve three exhorts us, Consider him, Jesus, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Consider Christ, the price he paid, consider that. Why? So you would not grow weary and lose heart. If you're growing weary and losing heart, remember his unfailing love and the price he paid for you. Remember. Remember your journey with Christ. Even this past week, which was not a fun one, I reminded myself he is good. I had to remind myself He is good. And so do you. I thought back on the many moments in communion. Remember? You came in, your life was a mess. Your heart wasn't right with God. You were carrying a weight of shame. There in your seat, you repented. And you left clean, you left free. Remember those moments? Don't ever forget them. Remember your baptism? You said, I want to identify with Christ. You walked into the water. In a drama, almost, you went under the water, died to Christ, came out, uh, uh, died to self, came out alive to Christ. Remember? Don't ever forget it. Remember how he's touched your life and changed you, embraced you led you. If you and I were in a conversation and you said, Matt, um, you ever been to Daytona Beach? Many people would think of the beach. Many people would think of all the things there are at Daytona Beach. What I remember is a little kitchenette in a little apartment Cindy and I stayed in where God met me significantly over the course of that week. He changed me. I'm not going to forget that. In those moments that life's not so clear, I remember. I remember those moments. The thing is, as you and I look back and remember God's unfailing love in all these ways, He's never changed. His love is still unfailing, it's still the rope that holds you and I. It does not fray, it does not slack. Matter of fact, Paul says there's nothing in all of creation that will be able to separate you and I from the love of Christ. You see, it says his unfailing love which holds you. Remember, remember all the ways he's poured his love out in your life. Psalm 13, as we read it, the questions weren't answered. Notice we don't read any answers to his questions. We don't read any formula given. What the psalmist does do is redirects his mind to remember the unfailing love of God and it changes the whole dynamic of what's going on in his life and in his journey. As I was reading back through my journals some time ago, um, I came upon an entry which was um, the day I was heading down to mail for my second surgery. I want to read an excerpt of it, not because it's unique or super anything, <laughs> Um, it's just where, it's just real. It's where I was at. And here's what I wrote that morning. Today we head to Mayo Clinic for surgery. And as I lay in bed last night, I replayed in my mind the continual blessings from God. He's so richly poured out at me. Far better than I deserve. And God, you know my desire through all of this is you would increase I remembered. You and I need to remember. It's what holds us. I came across something I read in a book about a counselor in northeast United States. He's been, he was known to receive many suffering souls who would come to him for help during the stormy seasons of his life. And each would step into his office with hope of finding something that would help them cope. After the initial greeting, this counselor would settle into his comfortable chair and ask his client to sit on a worn out sofa. And he began each session the same way. He didn't ask about the hardship or trauma. He didn't search deep childhood memories. He didn't ask if the person, if they were attending church, although they sometimes came around to that. That's not where the session began. Rather, this counselor asked the seeker of help who came here one question. Just one. When have you encountered the holy presence of God? That was the question. You see, he knew that those tossed about in the winds of storm tend to focus their eyes on the clouds, on the storm clouds. They tend to expect the storm to increase and become even more violent. And if we keep our eye in the storm, we figure somehow we're going to never get out of it. But this wise counselor invited them to ground themselves in the faithfulness of God. And as he asked the clients to identify the moment or moments when they experienced God's love and presence, they remembered. And it gave them sure footing to move forward. Even the counseling world will tell you, remember. Don't forget what God has done in your life. I need to remember, you need to remember, David needed to remember. All those in scripture we read about, they kept coming back, they needed to remember God's unfailing love. But I also realize right now as we sit in this room, some of you are like, I got nothing to remember, I got no journey with God. I have no relationship with God. I have nothing to draw on. And I would say to you, that can change. The Bible's very clear that you can have a relationship with the living God, but you need to be aware of a couple things. One is you can never earn that. God is holy, perfectly holy, perfectly just. That creates a dilemma for sinful man. We can never come into the presence of God. Impossible for us to do that. But God in his unfailing love made a way. He sent his son Jesus to pay for your sins. To make it possible for you to have a relationship with God. And he said if you will call upon the name of the Lord, if you will call upon his unfailing love, you can be saved. But it's a very clear focus because there's only one way to be saved, and there's only one provision. That's Jesus Christ. When we call upon God, we call upon the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to save us. And if you're sitting here and you're like, I I don't remember ever having the presence of God in my life, please come see me afterwards, or Elder Steve will be up here later. We'd love to share with you how you can enter into that relationship. I don't want to quickly do anything here. I really want you to consider this. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life, and to be frankly honest, you won't journey well. Life will just be a dark succession of events without Jesus Christ in your life. It all starts there, if we're going to journey well. Maybe you're wandered, you're tired of all the regrets and struggles. Remember. I find it very interesting to a church in Ephesus, In Revelation 2, Jesus wrote a letter, and he says to them, I want you to know, I know, that you've endured some hard stuff. I want you to know that I see how you haven't tolerated wicked people, and you you got your doctrine down. Matter of fact, Ephesus was known to be doctrinally pure. They knew their Bible. Jesus, I want you to know I know that. But you forgot something. forgot your first love. And what really strikes me as I went this week is Jesus' remedy for it. He says, I want you to remember. There's our word. I want you to remember the heights from which you've fallen. And I want you to repent and do the things you did at first. And I ask myself the question, what were those things we did at first when our love was hot for God? We came to him honestly, confessing our need, right? We called upon his unfailing love to forgive us. And it changed the course of our life. We began a life of worship. Doesn't that sound awfully similar to Psalm 13? It is. And the remedy for a cold love, a cold heart, is to remember. Remember the grace of God. Remember his unfailing love. And look how Psalm 13 ends. It's amazing. When you read the first sentence, you never dreamt the psalm would end this way. I will sing. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing all his promises are yes and amen. That's what I'm going to sing. Why? Because he's been good to me. And I remember all the times he's been good to me and I trust and that unfailing love. It's a pretty neat recipe. Honestly, come before God. Remember His unfailing love and grace and worship Him. That's where strength comes for the journey. Let's pray. Lord, I... I look at this psalm and look at my life. My heart wells up with gratitude. I echo like the psalmist and I'm pretty confident my brothers and sisters do as well. You've been good to us. It doesn't mean our journeys have been easy or are easy. Doesn't mean that difficulty and hardship and trauma might not come in the future. But this morning we proclaim, we stand on the truth. It's your unfailing love and grace that holds us. You are our security. You are our refuge. You are our help in time of trouble. You are our strong tower that we run to and find shelter. You, Jesus, are our all in all. And you are all we could ever need or want. Please remind my brothers and sisters, this morning and throughout this week, please remind them of all the ways you've blessed them. Help them to recall to mind and even to record the ways you've spoken to them and provided for them and led them and poured out your mercy upon them out there throughout their life. Lord, help us remember. And to trust that your love has not changed and never will. Thank you, you provide strength for the journey. And we cling to you. And we love you. It's your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.